Welcome to Double TM, the TTRPG talk show with a focus on game mastering and helping you be the best game master you can be. I don't want to talk too long because you can probably hear that I am quite sick right now. However, I need to tell you that today's episode is us talking to Greg Taito and Shelly Noble from Dragon Talk, the official Dungeons & Dragons podcast about their book, Welcome to Dragon Talk. Say that three times in a row. Anyway, Shelly and Greg have been amazing guests, sharing incredible, insightful and inspirational stories for years and years, and it was an honor to get to speak to both of them for our show. So without further ado, let's talk about making your TTRPGs better with Shelly and Greg and the inspiring stories made possible by this very hobby. Hello and welcome to episode 93 of Double DM Podcast. With me, as per usual, is my lovely co-host Emil. So Emil, how are you doing today? I was still sipping my tea. So I am doing great, aside I mean, from the fact that I'm sick and that I have the have reality and existential dread come crashing around me. No, I'm doing great. Okay. <laughs> so any special things happening this week or has happened this week for you um special things no well aside from the fact that i'm sick and don't want to do anything i still am here to record an episode i'm still here to record an episode and i'm also still uh, ready to play ttrpgs whenever i get the chance to for example yeah. i got to play on tuesday and i get to play today on thursday and i also have a session zero coming up on friday i have a session coming up on sunday so a lot of ttrpgs amazing My, mine isn't that much different because i i had a session on monday a special Halloween one-shot we did, then the session today on Thursday, the session zero on Friday, and another session on Saturday. So yeah, a lot of TTRPGs for me this week. Yeah, I mean, TTRPGs are great, and it's kind of the reason why we're here, so... Yeah, but t tell me a bit more about your session on Tuesday, when you get to to play well play i was still the game master for that. Ah, okay. Okay. <laughs> hold your fucking horses i don't play that often <laughs> so yes uh tuesday was my tyranny of dragons game as is every two weeks mm -hmm. and my players were still at defending at the point of defending neverwinter from attacking cultists and dragons and in the last episode in the, in the last episode in the last session they were facing down a green dragon on a bridge and this green dragon didn't want to let them pass and the, and used its breath weapon to its full potential i think the thing is right when you when you have these monsters like like dragons or mind flayers or beholders or something like these epic monsters they are actually a very very tough fight for your players regardless of the level if you play these creatures to their full potential mm. and this green dragon i am modified them a bit so they had a lot of jumping and, and they were had a lot of movement underwater and might have modified the step block to fit this combat to make it interesting and this dragon didn't stay on the bridge every time it, it, it felt danger it just dove back underwater and then for two to three turns I just did something very horrifying to my players because this dragon just 
attached to the bridge from underneath and used its breath weapon up and since the bridge was so narrow it could go up on the sides and basically still get the cone area on the bridge oh damn so they had this dragon basically stuck under the bridge trying to break the bridge and killing the pcs on it and whenever they tried to run further up the bridge the dragon would just move in front of them again and just block their way again and it was very hard for them to fight this dragon until three players basically un unlocked their wings we have an asthma that has wings and we have one player that can cast fly on himself and another player and as a warlock and so when, when these three people started flying, they were able to fly down to the level where the dragon was hiding under the bridge and were able to shoot it. But then the dragon let go of the bridge back into the water. And because of because this water was muddy and kind of not very clear, they couldn't see the dragon. And then the, the PC that was the lowest above the water level basically just got jumped from below the waves by the string and snapped mm -hmm. and then the dragon fell back into the in, into the water. I just loved this fight and my players were really horrified by this creature not facing them on even grounds because right if if one thing I realized for D&D combat is if you're facing a foe on even ground the players are most often way way favorite in that fight mm. yeah and, and especially with the the monsters you mentioned like dragons yeah. beholders or mind flayers they are very very smart beings yeah that they know how to engage in a battlefield in the perfect way for them. Mm -hmm. And especially in a critical situation where they are where they don't just want to taunt the party, why yeah. wouldn't they? Yeah, the thing is, right, if um, I had this conversation with Derek, actually, a very short conversation on Twitter, uh, just like two to three tweets long, with Derek from DMDM Studios, who we had on the show before, mm -hmm. about if I play my monsters to the best of their ability especially these legendary monsters that have a high level intellect and have a lot of tools at their disposal to dispose of characters i can wipe my players every single fight yeah. it's very easy to wipe your players with a red dragon that just rains fire down on them without ever getting in melee for the fighter Mm -hmm. and I have a fighter that has no ranged weapons. If I put an ancient red dragon or a normal red dragon against them that flies overhead and shoots fire down whenever its breath weapon recharges, those two players are useless. Mm -hmm. And that completely throws the combat out of the window. It's very easy to kill your player characters with monsters that basically obey the tactics that are kind of given by their features. Mm -hmm. And that's why most of my monsters do not fight to the best of their ability. Because if they would, every single combat could put potentially end in a tpk and i do not want that sure i want there to be the the chance of death and that happens even in not combats where i play the monsters to the best of their ability because of just decisions made and damage dealt and luck and sometimes also yeah sometimes the monsters do obey tactics like focus one if i have a group of noel hunters they didn't uh, spread their fire across every PC evenly because that would be an idiot move. You would need three rounds to kill a PC. But if you have four people hitting the same PC, that they go down way more quickly and yeah. they would do that. But right, th th that's the thing because players always, I think it's just the thing that players always play to the best of their abilities because obviously they would. But you as a GM, if you play to the best of your abilities, which arguably you should, but also shouldn't. And that's kind of weird to me. I, I, that's something I really need to think about because I want the combats to be deadly, but I don't want them to end in TPKs all the time because if I have a flying creature, flying creature with fire resistance, two players are useless in my group. And do I want that? Sometimes yes, maybe. But sometimes that also just means that two players are sitting there for an hour and a half in the combat not doing anything because they know their characters are useless and they can just try to hope for something. 
but alas, right? Yeah. We're not here to discuss something. We already have an episode topic. We have a lot of sessions coming up. Is there one you want to talk about? What What is one session you want to talk about in this recap? I don't think that we have time to discuss everything. Yeah, actually, I'm very interested in uh, my session on Saturday. Okay. Because we finished the part where it was a pre-written module from the jam. We run Lost Minds of Fandelva to get to, uh, because we had two, uh, one new player and get along and, and get to know our characters really and now we're diving into the let's say open world that, that our dm mm -hmm. completely homebrewed himself for the first time so, so it's not the sword coast no it's not the sword coast uh, he just put the module of lost minds of Fandelva mm -hmm. somewhere in his world but we don't actually know exactly where yet yeah obviously not because you didn't know the world before <laughs> exactly <laughs> typical jamming yeah, I think the GM didn't know that either. Obviously not, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, ask me anything about the part of my world where I play in with my uh, groups. I can tell you some stuff, but definitely not everything. But any other part I mean, of the world I, is just, yeah. I mean, the thing is, the, I, actually, I think that's wrong what you're saying. Because I can ask you about every place and you can make shit up in the moment. Exactly. But, but I ask you a question, how yet. is the government in this part of the world? And you just say, well, it's um, it, 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 it's dominated by one family for over 700 years inside some kind of dynasty and basically the oldest person living from that family rules. Boom. And yeah, I wouldn't be able to tell if you made that up in this moment or yeah. before, right? And that's the thing. That's all there is to GMing. Just making <laughs> it up in the fucking moment. Yeah. And but yeah, so I'm excited okay. to see where all of the world is leading us, what we can do now and all of that stuff. Also, yeah. one thing, once again, it's Lost Mine of Fandelva. It's one yeah. mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know i'm nitpicking i know i am i'm pedantic but i need to be because it's just one mine <laughs> it's not mines yeah lost mine of Fandelva. anyway i'm interested <laughs> to see where all of the sorry, all of the things in the world are taking it has, us it, it has to happen yeah. i mean especially if today's episode features two people from wizards of the coast we should at least get the facts <laughs> that it's lost mine of Fandelva. Because yeah. in this episode, as you probably already have guessed by title, description, and probably pre-show, we are actually joined by Shelly Mazanoble and Greg Taito from Dragon Talk to talk about their upcoming book, the show they are making, what they do, how they got into TTRPGs, and so much more different stuff about how this hobby and the people that play it are inspiring everyone around them to just create, play, and have fun. And I think without further ado, we should actually jump in to talk to them. Hey, dear listener, we arrived at this episode's mid-roll. I don't want to keep you too long in this break from the usual program, but podcasting overlords demand that I ask you to rate and review our show to help us expand our reach and get new listeners. But also with more reviews and ratings comes the benefit of us getting a better feel for what you like and dislike about the show, allowing us to improve our show to the next level just for you guys. And hey, if you really like the show, then recommend us to your friends so we can share our content with them and help them with whatever dungeon master dilemma or player problems they are having right now. I know you hear this all of the time, but really doing so helps shows like ours and any other podcaster, especially indie podcasters, out immensely in creating the best content possible. So again, rate, review, tell a friend or whatever works for you. 
If you are feeling super generous today, you can check out our Ko-Fi and donate a few bucks towards upgrading the show with microphones, editing software and studio surroundings. No pressure at all though, this is just if you feel like you want to help out. Lastly, I also want to tell you guys about our social media channels and that you can follow us on especially Twitter or Instagram to stay up to date with the show and get a whole slew of other content like memes, tips and general shit posts about TTRPGs and the TTRPG industry or community. Thank you guys so much for your constant support of our show and we hope we can continue creating amazing content for you guys well into the future. Oh, one last thing. If you have a TTRPG product you want to advertise on our show, contact us about affordable ad space on Double DM episodes and we also have promo swap spaces available for other podcasters and shows. And with that, I have an advertisement for you and after that it's right back to the show. Do you want a lightweight, easy to use and free application for your tabletop role-playing campaigns? Masterscreen is the ultimate set of tools for running tabletop or online role-playing campaigns and managing intricate fictional worlds as well. This incredible browser application can run on any device and also works offline so you can edit your files basically everywhere. This awesome campaign manager allows you to level up your notes and organizations so you have to spend less time in your notes and more time in the action of your games. The focus on the simple yet beautiful design makes for great and intuitive use for every tabletop role-playing game and as time goes on there will be even more features to create a one-stop get-all for game masters wanting to level up their game. And remember, all of that is for the low price of free and requires no downloads. So go to masterscreen.app to start becoming the master behind the screen you were meant to be. You can find the link in the description. And then without further ado, now just let's dive right into the episode. We have two amazing guests with us today, Greg and Shelley, but please, I want to give over the introduction part to them. Please introduce yourself. Who are you? What do you do? How did you get into TTRPGs? All of the good stuff. You go first, Shelly. Oh, well, thank you. Hi, I'm Shelly Mazanoble. And I, by day, I am uh, the senior brand manager for Dungeons and Dragons. And I guess also by day, co-host with Greg of the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast, Dragon Talk. And by evening, I co-wrote a book with Greg about Dragon Talk, which is called, appropriately, Welcome to dragon talk and there is a very long subtitle which i always have to look up inspiring <laughs> conversations about dungeons and dragons and the people who love to play it never really thought that i would be here writing books about dungeons and dragons because i came into the trpg world as an adult late in life kicking and screaming um, because <laughs> I just did not think incorrectly that Dungeons and Dragons was a game that I would be into. And I was so wrong uh, until my employer pointed out that um, they actually published Dungeons and Dragons and I should learn how to play it. <laughs> 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 yeah, it took just mere minutes into my very first D&D game to realize that I had been so wrong, so very, very wrong my entire life and that Dungeons and Dragons really was a game for me and really for anyone, anyone who just enjoys spending time with friends, telling stories, playing really heroic, fantastical, way better than you are versions of yourself. There's a lot to love about this game. So yeah. I have spent every year, every moment since repenting for my <laughs> my incorrect assumptions about D&D &D and trying to change everyone's perception if they think D&D is not a game for them. 
because it is. Nice. Yeah. Well, I am Greg Tito. I'm very excited to be the co-host of Dragon Talk with Shelley during the day, as well as <laughs> uh, Senior Communications Manager for Dungeons & Dragons at Wizards. Very excited about all the stuff that Shelley just said, but I'll just give my quick overview of how I got into D&D. I was a fan of fantasy when I was a kid. My brother showed me The Hobbit, the animated Rankin-Bass version uh, when I was probably four or five years old and he was reading the book and he was telling me all the details about the writing of Tolkien that didn't make it into the animated series and I was like that's really fascinating oh I want to get into that <laughs> so I started reading it myself at a very young age and I got hooked on fantasy ever since then and devoured as many young adult fantasy novels as I could and probably some some more adult ones uh before my time and I while I was looking for more fantasy novels on my brother's shelf I found a dungeon master's guide uh that was you know very worn had some dog-eared things on it. And I was kind of intrigued because my brothers didn't play. They didn't know much about it. They didn't introduce me. To it. I just kind of found it on their shelf. We later discovered that it probably was a hand-me-down that I'd gotten from a neighbor. Otherwise, it would not have been allowed into my house. Uh, it was like this box of, of things that, that we kind of just um, inherited. Um, and when I showed interest in playing, my mother was a very religious person, still is a very religious person, and was like, no, I don't think we're going to facilitate this part of your hobby or your interest. Uh, they try to steer me away from fantasy as much as they could. Unfortunately, that siren's call was strong. Even throughout high school and college, I did not really participate in them. I did a lot of theater. And it wasn't until I was um, living on my own in New York City. I was married. I was making you know as much creative output as I can in, in plays and things like that. And then I was like, well, wait a second, I can actually play D&D now. I don't have anyone telling me, <laughs> telling me no. And so I found a group and it was this wonderful meld of creative people, uh, as well as you know, longtime fans of D&D. And they learned me on all of the lore of the you know Greyhawk world at the time because it was during the 3.5 era and I, I was hooked similar to to Shelly like I was like oh man this is this is what I was dreaming of when I was a kid is being able to embody these characters that I loved uh, you know as, as much as I did in passive entertainment like uh, like movies and television so I loved it and I just started writing about it as much as I could I tried to write some well, I, mean, I did write some some RPG materials uh, try to pursue that part of the career and then I started writing for a games website uh, about video games, obviously uh, not necessarily D&D related, but I was always pitching D&D stories. I was always trying to be like, there's something here. There's something really magical about role-playing games that is similar to video games, but very much, uh, you know, different and wrote as many stories as I could around a D&D. And then when that job kind of ended, I was very lucky enough to know Shelly. We had been in a few panels together at PAX East and other uh, places and, and, and kind of uh, got the job to sell uh, Dungeons and Dragons, to spread the word about how much D&D is great. It was not a big leap for me because I, like Shelly, believe it is so uh, important and people who play it generally better people because they <laughs> are able to have empathy. They're able to walk in other people's shoes. They're, they're, they haven't lost that sense of fun and gaming and adventure. So many of the D&D uh, players that we know out there still have even in their adulthood and was happy enough to be invited to be on a podcast in 2015 that morphed into Dragon Talk and has become a big facet of, of what uh, we do at Wizards is getting people into uh, this game through normalizing this idea that you don't necessarily have to be a D&D &D person. You don't need to have that as your, you know, even though so many of the people that we we love do identify so strongly with, with this game, you can be a multifaceted person. You can love reality television if that's your bag. Like, Thanks, uh, like Greg. For Shelley. Uh, <laughs> or you can like sports and you can like other things. You can like art. You can like, you know, have many different disciplines in your life and 
still get something really, really great out of D&D. And so what this book is all about, as well as the podcast kind of in general, has been about breaking down those barriers, those stereotypes, those things that people used to associate with D&D. And now, thankfully, it's just cool. It's just part of, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the amazing people out there are uh, creative and always building and making things happen. So that's my story and how we, we got to where we are now. Two things. One, I think Dragon Talk is nearly as old as I as I started playing TTRPGs. Oh. Because I think I started in 2014. Oh, mm. yeah, right around. When I was 15 years old. Oh, <laughs> baby. Aww. And I relate to both stories, kind of, because I was dragged in by a friend. I didn't think <laughs> I would enjoy it much. It, it kind of was like, why aren't we just doing a movie night or something, right? Why are we not yeah. just doing a board game night? Why, why this? But we were on a school trip, on a week-long school trip, eighth grade. And my friend said, I have this very cool game and we can play it in our room at night and stuff like that. And we created characters on the train. And then I was like, meh, does this really sound like fun to me? <laughs> and then the first five minutes were some of the most magical things that happened to me in my life mm. on that in the, in that five person small packed room of teenagers sitting there while in the other rooms the other teenagers were blasting loud music I don't know uh, chugging their first beer even though they weren't allowed to on this <laughs> while, while we were in the other room playing fantasy games yes so many things happened because our teachers obviously since we were only 14 15 they obviously came into the room to see if we were all also sleeping right they needed to make sure that we were sleeping and that we weren't doing anything bad or illegal or not allowed for us and then they came into our room and like opened up and wait you aren't sleeping we didn't hear anything the other rooms are all loud lasting music and you hear the people talking and they're like we don't hear you talking because we're sitting around a table with one of our friends telling a story and the rest of us like like oh encapsulated <laughs> by it but i relate to greg's story kind of as well because when i got back i was kind of scared to tell my parents to mm. about about this hobby because I didn't think that they would understand it and would necessarily like it. And then I found out that my parents actually played the same TTRPG before I was even born. What? Wow. I found the first edition of the German fantasy The Dark Eye in my room in a drawer that I never opened before where there were these old notes of the first adventure that was ever released where my father, my mother, my uncle and my aunt played together. Wow. And then I realized what, what cool people my parents actually are. <laughs> <laughs> I hope my kids think the same thing. Well, I know. <laughs> it's like you found a treasure. Like you open it up and you're like, oh, I've never been in this drawer I mean, before. Like what an evocative story. Look at your story. room. That's wow. a whole fucking treasure chest right there. That's right. I know, right? I, like yeah. I feel like that should be a commercial. Like that would be like just like the best <laughs> advertisement for this game. <laughs> uh, my yeah. parents are cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the fun thing is I actually then organized a play with their old group of that TTRPG with oh, me no as way. my first Game Master experience. Wow. I was terrible at it. <laughs> they were probably somewhere. so proud, though. It probably was a really big moment for them, too. They enjoyed it a lot because they got the group back together and it was really like a homecoming for them and it was a good experience for me, even though I really botched everything that you would think. Every <laughs> video that you can look up on YouTube, every podcast episode where you have, don't do this as a Dungeon Master. I did it. <laughs> That's... I've been there. You gotta do it once. You gotta, yeah. right? You gotta, you gotta fail. I mean, that's part of what I think D and D actually teaches people too. It's something yeah. 
that is really interesting is that the failures, you know, rolling a one or, or, or not making that attack happen or losing a character or having a, a TPK, as we were talking about before we started recording, like those are really evocative memories. And you learn from failure almost more than you do yeah. from successes. And it's such yeah. great storytelling. And it's something that is really important to Grok when you're a kid as well. Like, okay, there's it's okay to fall on your face and uh, in front of your friends and allow them to pick you back up and lift each other into into you know hopefully succeeding by the end you know or in a tpk situation where you're just like okay well that didn't work out we'll start again you know and we'll we'll tell the different story and we'll make it even better and you know like i think yeah. there's so much there for our lives where you don't have to necessarily be like success driven all the time. It's okay mm -hmm. to see failures and, and, and do them the way they need to do. And mm -hmm. it became, you know, the, the, the formation of you being a good dungeon master going forward, I hope. And yeah. now I'm on a fucking podcast. <laughs> 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 Game master advice. But D&D taught me so much and I'm so happy that I actually got to play it as a kid where I was very impressionable and had to learn a lot of different things because it taught me a lot because I got to play in a safe environment with my friends and the and a very caring dungeon master who's actually listening to this episode so <laughs> hi but he just made sure that we get these experiences in a very safe environment on at his table but we could work through them something that you as a 14 15 year old kid just wouldn't encounter in life totally. but it helped it taught me a lot about understanding other people it, like you said it taught me so much empathy that i didn't have before at all because where should i have learned that before but ttrpgs dnd teaches so much empathy and understanding other people, which is why I think that this game is so freaking inspiring <laughs> and should be played by everybody, just like you guys said before. Yes. It should. It really should. Yeah, I, I just wanted to quickly say that I was the exact opposite of Emil's encounter in the in my first TTRPG encounter. I was like, okay, I want to play this game and I would, would drag everyone I know with, with me <laughs> into that rabbit hole and we are, uh, this group is still playing today oh, at nice. some parts Good. and just dragging everyone down, in quotation marks or <laughs> up with me in this case we say lift you up in, exactly on dragon talk right you're like no you're bringing you're bringing the, the pillars work to them exactly and just giving everyone a creative outlet that i kind of felt was lacking for them and i felt especially ttrpgs are an amazing thing to do exactly that mm -hmm. having a creative outlet and then it just worked we all just clicked and the whole group just vibed with it we didn't know shit because we everyone every one of us didn't know a single thing about ttrpgs we just started and then it just went up uphill from there gotta that's start great. somewhere gotta start yeah. somewhere yeah i mean that's like for a game that has a lot of rules a lot of rule books you know we just keep <laughs> cranking them out here but we always tell people you don't have to know any of them to start playing like just don't worry about it just sit down literally just sit down somebody mm. is going to teach you and is going to tell you when to pick up that die and which die to pick up and what to roll and what to add to it and then mm. carry on everybody knows yeah. how to tell a story don't worry about it and even for dming and i don't know Emil, if this was part of your the first time you said you were terrible, but I I think that the less you try to prepare, then the better you're gonna be at it. That because yeah. I over prepared for my first time. Oh, totally. I it never occurred to me that the players wouldn't just know what was mm -hmm. in my head and follow mm -hmm. follow that. They mm -hmm. just did their own thing, and I was like, well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's there. You guys went yeah. in a different direction, like literally and figuratively. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, I I have. 
I've uh, after that I've GM'd a campaign for new time players and friends as well, and not these adults that have played before and more my friends. And I've written out entire dialogue trees for NPCs because I Whoa. was not prepared to improvise dialogue for them. And I then realized that why do I even need this? I can now do this improvisation. And I learned that I don't need to do this. I, I don't need to over prepare. I should rather under prepare or not prepare too much. And I think generally what we're talking about here right now is right the most important step you need to take is the first step in doing it yeah mm -hmm. start being a dungeon master start being a player just pick up the book even if you don't know all the rules start playing you can always learn the rules later on and then still play after them if you want to but you need to start somewhere and if that is somewhere where you're not knowing the rules at all then that's that if you want to know all the rules beforehand then Read the book. That's also the first step. But on the topic of first steps, I want to talk about Dragon Talk, especially the history of the show. You said you started in 2015. Mm -hmm. And I want to just, one of you guys, walk me through how Dragon Talk became <laughs> this show about the inspiring people and the stories of these people that play or create or work in D&D and the cosmos around it. Yeah. So we uh, we had to do a lot of research when we were <laughs> writing this book because we were like, wait, how did this begin? What? Did, how did it? Because it happened pretty organically. Um, the the podcast feed that we're currently on right now began as Acquisitions Incorporated with, well, it started with James White and then Chris Perkins taking over uh, with the Penny Arcade folks and uh, having that first kind of, at least my first experience with listening and consuming people playing Dungeons and Dragons, you know, while not being in the room myself. And that was, you know, very popular. It's gone on to be more of a live show. You see that PAX is all over and it, and it continues to inspire folks to jump in and, and start playing D&D. &D. But uh, somewhere along the line, uh, people within the Wizards of the Coast office came in and being like, oh, we can do some interviews with designers. And, and then it was... Um, uh, Bart Carroll and Shelley, uh, before my time at Wizards, started uh, doing more uh, discussions with uh, third-party people and and invited a few other folks to kind of be outsiders and and be you know really exciting um, folks who are not necessarily part of the TRPG community or not thought of. And Dan Harmon is one of them who created a community. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited that we have a essay in the book about uh, yeah that Shelley wrote with the the two of them interviewing. Uh, him uh, before my time, before I started. And then when I, 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 like I said, I was a journalist, so I was all about making content um, before I came on at Wizards uh, and Shelly randomly just said, oh, we're going to do a podcast. Do you want to come and, and join with us? And I was like, yes, please. Sure. That sounds great. I would love that. And it was, I think there were four hosts for that first episode that I was on and like only one person there. And it was a little bit like, oh, well, I'm not really sure what the what the plan is here. And I was able to use a lot of my skills from creating content. I was like, let's let's brand list. Like, let's get on a, re a regular schedule. So we're coming out with episodes every week and let's expand the interviewers. You know, obviously, we still want to talk to people within the building who are making D&D &D because that was really fascinating and our fans always want to kind of get inside their brain on why they were choosing to do uh, whatever they were choosing to do about with the D&D &D books. But we really started to latch on to the idea of the folks outside of the Wizards of the Coast building um, who are playing D&D. Uh, &D. And I always, I mentioned this in the book, I started uh, in 2015, as I mentioned, in March. First, the same week that Critical Role started broadcasting on Twitch. So it was at this moment when so many uh, people got started to get drawn into this hobby through watching people play Dungeons and Dragons, right? So the obvious super popularity of Critical Role, but then other groups and start, people started to do that as well. And we just huge growth in people who were showing off the breadth of games that you can play 
uh, in Dungeons and Dragons. And we started to invite them on and talk to them and, and be more a part of that community and build up folks who may not have gotten notoriety yet and try to, you know, shine more of a spotlight on them. Um, and that morphed and changed into, into the Dragon Talk that it is now, right? Where we are making it a point to try to bring in new people through the, the entire concept of um, you don't need XYZ in order to play D&D. All you need is an imagination and a desire to hang out with your friends and great times uh, ensued from that. So yeah, that's where that's where Dragon Talk kind of came from. And again, we do we do go into like a lot more detail in the book itself. And uh, regarding that book, you mentioned that a couple of times, but what exactly is the book? It's a book about a podcast <laughs> about a game. It's... What's not to understand? Come on. The mediums combined. <laughs> it is. Yes, just need a TV show now. <laughs> It's a meta, yes. everything, everywhere, all at once, but in book form. It is. It is. Yes. It is. You know, now that now that it's done, it's a thing. It feels like, yes, of course, we should have written a book about the people who love to play Dungeons and Dragons, because those people are what makes this game so interesting and what makes this community so interesting. But it was it started because uh, I, we were approached by an editor at the University of Iowa who she had read my two previous books on D&D. She was a Dragon Talk listener and she was like, I think there's a story here. I think this is really interesting, like how this podcast got started and like maybe the creative process behind it. But, you know, knowing that D&D was picking up a lot of steam and in, in general, like geekdom was, you know, becoming something that was becoming more mainstream and also something that that she was looking to have more um, titles on their their list about, you know, pop culture and, and geek hobbies. So we kind of fit right into that. And we thought, yeah, you know, we, we could see that there's definitely a story here, but we, we put together our own proposal. And that was really like the focus was meant to be on the people who we've had the pleasure of talking to over the seven years, I guess, at the time we started started writing it. it it was only five years but um <laughs> we i don't even think we had had our 300th episode then but we obviously had a wealth of interviews that to pull from here and one of the things that i think is so impressive about this community and especially the the small slice of it that we get to see and talk to on dragon talk is it really does speak to the whole message of DD is for everyone and we wanted to showcase the diversity of the people who play this game the reasons why they love to play play this game, the content that they're creating that is tied to this game, or maybe it's just the they're not creating specific D&D content, but they're in a field that they got into because they were inspired by D&D. Like a lot of the people we talk to are people who work in Hollywood. They're animators, they're directors, they're actors, they're writers, they're showrunners for television shows. And they're all like, yeah, I my love of storytelling developed when I started to play D&D when I was 10 years old. And I'm really good at creating characters because I've played D&D for 30 years. Or we've learned that showrunners on TV shows are essentially dungeon masters. I mean, they it's so similar uh, all of those all of those skills that that both have so um that was really important for us was just to get to pick some of of the essays that that part was hard was narrowing down the ones that we wanted to talk about but to pick some of the essays that really spoke to greg and i the reason like we had connections to several of the people that we had interviewed or connections to some of the stories that they were telling or related in different ways and those were the ones that we really that they kind of rose to the top like yeah yeah i want to recount this particular particular episode because it touched me in, in, in a really big way or I really enjoyed meeting this person or something significant happened you know that and it, it, both of us had different 
reactions to different episodes, even though when we came up with our list of who we wanted to write about, we really didn't even have that much crossover so that we didn't have to like fight over the essays. (laughs) (laughs) It was really interesting, too, because I I've learned a lot about Greg through writing this book, through reading his essays and even just seeing like, oh, wow, I, I didn't realize that you had left that interview and went back to your desk and were like having all of these emotions and feelings about what we had talked about. So the goal is really that whoever's reading this book, whether you're someone who loves D&D or someone who's never played D&D, or even if you have never listened to the podcast, you're just getting a small slice of seeing who the people are who love and play this game and the reasons why this game has had such a huge positive impact on the lives of so many. Nice, really. (laughs) It fills me with so much joy how you guys talk about your book. (laughs) Um, We love our book. It's amazing. It's our little book baby. (laughs) Especially especially since you talked about it just now, Shelley, that some interviews obviously left you guys, you guys yourselves inspired or changed or gave you a new perspective. And we actually had written down a question about this. We we don't want you guys to name any favorites of your guests because obviously all (laughs) guests are the favorites. Thank you for acknowledging that. That is true. We couldn't pick a favorite guest, but there are still a few episodes that touched us more than because of the things that were talked about. Yeah. Um, so off the top of your head, if you can, if you want to, could you name a story or a guest that is maybe in the book or maybe even not that really touched you and moved you in some way? If, if you don't want to talk about that, that's fine as well, right? I, well, yeah, absolutely. I'll jump in and say the one I wrote around the interview with N.D. Stevenson, who was the creator and showrunner of the animated series She-Ra, Princess of Power on Netflix. We had talked to their partner before, uh, Molly Knox Ostertag, and it was really interesting to hear uh, ND talk about her relationship with Molly, as well as growing up uh, queer and not having stories that felt like they were, um, as a kid, that felt, you know, mm. for, for kids animation, that felt like they were true to not necessarily uh, her their specific experience, but like the experience of, of what it's like to have a friendship that changes. And is it romantic? Is it not romantic? And have things that happen like that. And, and I was really touched by that because one of my daughters um, had an experience when she was young where she had a friend that ended up uh, their, their relationship changed it did not go the way she had thought and she thought that that she had done some my daughter thought she had done something wrong and the way that it went and and uh, the the relationship ended and my daughter was really kind of sad and, and, and emotional by that and I didn't know how to um, talk about that with her and it wasn't until we were watching she reprints of power that we were able to kind of really understand that is a that's a more universal thing people don't you know all so much animation out there is about the power of friendship and family and blah blah and like it's always great they don't really know, talk about friendships ending and and what that can mean and it can feel like a breakup and if it does feel like a breakup what does that mean like what you know as far as um uh you know s- sexual orientation early on like some people understand mm-hmm. that very early and some people don't um and that changes and so the 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 lens that Andy was able to uh show with us as well as how much D and the play of D was infused in the creation of that show uh, which i was unaware of. i mean we, we kind of like you know had some thoughts about it but we didn't realize like sometimes the the, the play sessions that she uh, that they had had with uh, their partner ended up having almost direct impact on some of the plots of of the episodes in the show and I was like oh that's that's always eye opening for me too when 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 D&D play directly inspires uh, stories um and so yeah I write about that in the book and 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 to, uh, you know relate that story about my daughter because it really did mm-hmm. 
And even when I was in the interview with ND, I was getting teared up and, and extremely emotional just talking about it. And so I wanted to, to kind of do that justice in the essay. I'm not sure if I did, but I really enjoy just being able to explore that because, you know, emotions are a very important part of, of human mm -hmm. life. Sometimes as, as, as men, we don't get to really express that very much. Uh, and mm -hmm. so being able to have that moment with a creator who made something that was really impactful for me and my family and my mm -hmm. daughter, um, while all talking about it under mm -hmm. the guise of a being D and D podcast is, <laughs> I mean, to me, that is mm -hmm. such an emblem of what a, this book is yeah. about what our podcast is about and what, you know, I think the D and D community is all about. Mm -hmm. No, but for real, right. D and D made me cry so many times. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, I, I love that. I want that on a t-shirt. <laughs> D and D made me cry. <laughs> I was kind of a stoic kid, like many of my friends were, but through playing TTRPGs, we understood that these feelings of sadness, of, of crying, of, of losing a very beloved NPC or player character, mm -hmm. that's still a sad feeling and you're allowed to feel sad about it. And sometimes crying is the best way to get that feeling out and shouldn't be shamed upon. And D&D yeah. &D was one of the big reasons why I realized that. So I definitely resonate with that as well, right? D&D &D has helped me in understanding how to deal with my emotions. And if I play D&D &D with my friends, I always have a great time, even though I might be crying. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Just like you yeah. can cry at a movie or cry yeah. at a, something like that, right? Like it can feel, uh, you know, very real, but almost more so because it's, like you said, your beloved character or your, you know, beloved yeah. uh, uh, mm -hmm. thing. It's it, it can be even more impactful. I love just being in a safe space and invested mm -hmm. into the story and into the characters that are taking place in that universe that you are playing in just helps you or helped me at least to figure out some emotions or putting a finger or putting it into words what I felt because I had that safe space where I can experiment with how to express these feelings. Yeah, it's so uh, there are so many. I'm going to try to pick mm. one, though, that we haven't already talked about. Eventually, <laughs> well, Greg and I will just like talk about the whole entire book and nobody will even have to buy it. Um, so we had interviewed Giancarlo Volpe. Uh, he is a director, an animator, producer. And I think at the time it was Avatar, The Last Airbender, which was on Netflix that uh, was was mm -hmm. airing. And I can't remember how we had discovered that he was a D&D &D fan. But I do remember thinking like, he's like the real deal. Okay, like this is like a full on award winning producer, animator, director. And not only did he agree to be on Dragon Talk, but he wanted to come to our office to do the interview. Nice. And I think he even had family in the Seattle area. But I don't think like he was like, Oh, I I'm going to be visiting my family. I'll at this time, how convenient I'll come by. I think it was the other way around. Like he's like, <laughs> hey, I'll visit my family while I'm coming all the way up to Seattle to be on your podcast. Hmm. And I, he stands out to me for a lot of reasons. One, I think his work is phenomenal. Um, two, he was so nice and, and kind and in person and just a very gracious guest. But I just remember how excited he was to be in our office and that like he was like a kid again and like mm -hmm. it just brought him back and he brought his his wife and and she was amazing as well and just like so also excited on his behalf to be there but he was like a little kid walking around a toy store 
looking at all the art on the walls and like meeting people like he was geeking out about meeting our co-workers and they were like uh but we're kind of geeking out about you right now and it was just <laughs> he just like it's it makes me made me realize that no matter who you are where you are how many awards you've won how many Emmys you have sitting on your bookshelf at home somewhere. D and D like just gets people like it just gets people so excited. He was so incredibly passionate about this game and about the work that our team was producing and about so excited about being on the official D and D podcast. <laughs> that it just like it made me have like this whole new appreciation again for the work that we do and that this is our day job and like this guy is like a real Hollywood you know, director is geeking out about our office and the toys that are sitting on Greg's desk and like meeting the people that like, I'm just like making coffee with in the kitchen. You know, like, <laughs> oh, hey, how you doing? He's like, oh my God, is that Chris Perkins? Ah, oh, it's amazing. So it was just, he was just uh, someone that I found to be utterly delightful in his enthusiasm for D&D. And like, you just don't lose it. Like when people are so passionate about this game, and of course he credited D&D with, you know, a lot of the creativity that he he experiences every day in his job. Now he's actively playing D&D in uh, games with other writers and directors and actors and producers in Hollywood, just like, just like the rest of us. Like stars are just like us. They just like, play D&D in their garage every Thursday night as well. So it was like a great equalizing moment for us. But I just remember feeling very, very proud about D&D and, and the work that we do. Just, you know, it just makes a difference to people, no matter who they are. It's incredible work that this game has done. I, I mean, I've met so many people through it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But on the topic of being or feeling proud, I guess that is something that you felt once you had the book, the physical book that you wrote in your hand yes but Wait. what did you feel <laughs> yeah i have to hold it up i had to hold up mine too home, like oh we got one it's i unfortunately can't hold the pdf you guys sent us <laughs> it's a real book but i wanted to ask how did it feel once you knew that you were starting to write the book and what emotions were there how i guess there were many Many emotions and fear, different Fucking ones. Fear, fear. <laughs> very, very frightening. Yeah, I think uh, you know, as Shelley mentioned, you know, we got the uh, request to make a pitch, and we made our pitch, and we got accepted. And I think both of us had this moment of like, "Yay, got accepted!" Shit, now yeah. we have to actually write it, do all of that work that we were so excited about doing. Um, you know, in addition to doing the weekly podcast and what we do each day at Witches of the Coast, you know, it was, it was a bit of an undertaking, I, I, I'm sure. And I'll, I'll say that I had not written a book before. Shelly has two other D and D centric titles under her belt. Um, so I was really gratified to have a a friend and a partner and a co creator to be on this journey together. Like I was so inspired by Shelly and her voice and her drive to make this book um, and, and, and keep writing and keep going. And I think for both of us, surprisingly enough, it was, even though we did have all those, those, those trepidation and fear going into it, the actual process of writing it was uh, extremely fulfilling because we had each other's back. We had, you know, oh, you're writing, so I'm going to do my essay and I'm going to do this essay. And like, there was, it was many other projects that we have all done. I'm sure uh, the two of you can can relate to that. Can, you know, procrastination is a real thing. You can just be like, oh, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. Mm -hmm. And 
um, I was worried about flaking. I was worried about not not being able to live up to um, the the writing that that Shelley was done and, and all that stuff. And so the two of us really kind of kept each other accountable in a way that felt always positive. It never really felt negative in any way. Uh, and so a lot of those those those. Uh, anxious emotions kind of washed away after a while. Of course, once we got closer to the deadline, they definitely <laughs> boiled back up again. And we were like, oh no, we got to do this. We got to make it happen. Um, you know, but that, that happens with every project uh, as you get closer to a deadline. But in general, the the, the, the emotions around this book were, were super uh, supportive and congratulatory to each other. And I think that, that shows in the final product. Like a D&D party. Like we a D&D party. Together. I, I definitely agree, right? As Nils and I are also a duo show, a duo that is unbreakable, like a D&D party, most of the time at least. <laughs> Never split the podcast. Never split. No, but having someone that really has your back and producing whatever you, or creating whatever you're doing, right? Nils and I are producing an actual play. I'm the game master for that one, and Nils is kind of the art director for creating art, working with other artists, so we get also a bit of art for that. And just having someone that you can basically talk to every week or every day of the week that you can have that creative dialogue with each other. You can always help each other when you have problems. You can, it helps so freaking much. It really does. <laughs> Not doing yeah. something alone and really having someone that has your back. And by looking at this book that I have on my second screen right here, right now, mm -hmm. and scrolling through it while we're talking, it's hard to actually distinguish who wrote what essay necessarily, just from looking at them in a face value at first, because they still weave all of these 200 pages together. And mm -hmm. it all feels like one continuous feel-good story about what D&D does and what the community brings together. And if people are listening to this asking if they should buy the book once it comes out, I will say yes, because what ah. I'm looking at here is really a great product about the inspiring community around this game. And it's really awesome. inspiring what people say and how, how they experience the game, how they play and get generally how it changed them as well. And yeah, <laughs> now I'm just fanboying. <laughs> we'll, take oh, we'll take that endorsement. Yeah. I love I it. I you. actually can fanboy a little bit more because <laughs> Double DM started roughly two years ago. Uh, mm -hmm. February 2021 was when we started. Um, and when the pandemic hit, as a university student who had no job at the time, I basically was home every day of the week and had no reason to go out. Which is good when you're not wanting to catch a virus, <laughs> but it's also bad if you don't know how to play D&D online yet. Mm -hmm. And right. I had to find out how that works and stuff like that. But <laughs> one of the things that changed for me, for example, was that I enjoyed a lot more D&D content. That was roughly the time I got into Critical Role, Dimension mm -hmm. 20, The Adventure Zone, or more of the more indie podcasts that are on the level that this podcast is on, roughly. And... Yeah, Dragon Talk was one of these shows. <laughs> oh, nice. And actually, wow. fun thing, at the end, in November 2020, or, the, or no, no, December, it was around Christmas time and New Year's Eve. Mm -hmm. The last week, the last Friday before Christmas, my mother came home with the unfortunate news that she has caught coronavirus. Oh, oh no. And that means quarantine for everyone in the household. Basically, I was, I, now I had to stay inside. Now, as a university student with no job, I didn't go out much. <laughs> 
<laughs> even less so now. Gonna, not gonna lie, but now it's forced staying inside. And I played a lot of video games, but also listened to a lot of podcasts. Dragon Talk, Critical Role on YouTube, and mm. everything, basically. Mm -hmm. And consumed so much D&D. And Niels at the time and I, we were basically talking one hour, two hour each day, playing video games together, but also talking about our D&D games. Because we actually, up to that point, Niels and I never played in each other's games. Never. Oh, wow. Just so, once in the first one, I think. Yeah, just That's... in one shots. And yeah. that means he would, was the perfect person I could spoiler everything in my games to. And he could do <laughs> oh, the same to me. And we could help, idea. we could help yeah. each other. Then I was like, I want to do a podcast. Why not do <laughs> this as a podcast? I mean, Dragon Talk works. So why can't I do something along the lines of that? Not the same, not, not making a podcast about inspiring stories by people, but why not just make a show where we talk about game mastering, doing that what we do, give each other advice and maybe have a discussion around it and this is where we're at right now so in the context of fanboy <laughs> i can definitely tell you guys that you were a substantial part in that you guys are actually here right now because otherwise if, if, if it wasn't for dragon talk we, niels and i probably wouldn't be here talking to you guys right now Wow. wow probably yeah that's that, amazing yeah <laughs> so you're a big part of this even so cool. if you don't if you like it or not and now you're even <laughs> <episode>. like it <laughs> yeah. i like that it it's fantastic and i think that is what i love about the D, &D community mm -hmm. is that it is not a competition it's not someone who you know i think everyone is uh, in the same mindset where the success of one thing inspires the success of mother. You know, we're mm -hmm. all bards. We're all giving bardic inspiration to each other each time we consume each one of our things because we're like, oh, that's a jumping off point. Oh, that's that's really interesting. I might want to tweak that and use that in my game or or, or all those things. And it's the underlying force behind Dungeons and Dragons and the community is that each thing is additive. Each thing adds yeah. to the mix and makes things uh, different and more interesting. And that's why I'm super important and really excited about how much we have wanted to include people from every mm. type of marginalized com community out there because it is where this community is going to thrive. That's those yeah. new ideas, those new people coming in from different perspectives and using their different cultural stories uh, and infusing it into you know all the content that D&D &D mm -hmm. has been around for the last few decades. It's just making it more yeah. stronger and better and, and mm -hmm. more interesting. And so I love that story. I love the fact that you guys, oh, we'll listen to this and we'll listen to Critical Role and take our conversations and make content, uh, you know, make a podcast mm -hmm. about your experiences. And then, you know, there are people out there listening to yeah. this podcast right now who may be university students, maybe they're 15 years old, maybe they're going to you know <laughs> take some of your dm advice that you've got going and put it into their games but then maybe they'll create a podcast as well uh and that's what's yeah. amazing and then it means this interview is about a podcast about a book about a game about a podcast about a game yeah it's <laughs> several layers <laughs> it just keeps getting more and more always more layers it's an onion <laughs> i just want to mention it because you said especially focusing on marginalized creators because those stories have been suppressed so much throughout the years and through dnd they get the time to shine and it fits just perfectly because just today we announced Why Your World Matters. That is something that I've been organizing with a few other friends. That is basically a world building panel that showcases why no fictional world people create is useless. Hmm. There's always a story to be told. And one of the most important parts that we had for this panel really was that we create a diverse panel. Because if it's just the same pe the same type of people talking about the same type of stuff, it's not going to be interesting. You need to have right. some people that break barriers and tell us 
new things that have never been told before, that have never gotten the chance to tell it before. And yeah, I think just generally D&D as a hobby can do so much of that work because it allows them to tell their stories and the things they want to tell. Well, also the empathy that we were talking about yeah, earlier, right? Like combi- those things combined means that, I, I, and I mean it when I say it, I think people are better people when they play yeah. Dungeons and Dragons because exactly what you're saying. Like you're getting yeah. exposed to new stories. You're getting exposed to walking in, in other people's shoes. That's beautiful. You don't get that really in, in any other facet of people's lives. Yeah, really. Yeah, and now, yeah. now I am back in it again. <laughs> I have to break off up a bit because uh, looking at the time, we're close to the end. But I have yeah. one final question for you too. It is, what would be the most unconventional game mastering advice you would give to someone? <laughs> just on the top of your head. Unconventional. Don't, just yeah. to... don't, don't worry about rules. Just don't make it up. <clears throat> I always like to have snacks, like a lot of snacks. Now. So <laughs> yes. if nobody, Agreed. if they remember nothing else, they're just like, oh, we just, the food was so good. <laughs> food, is that part of D&D? Yeah. I guess I don't know like yeah that's it I just feed food and drink just just get them just like with any party an adventuring party a dinner party a cocktail party doesn't matter <laughs> food and drink food and drink is where it's at <laughs> I don't know how unconventional this is but it's something that uh, feels a little bit outside the box which is create an adventure around a prop use like have a physical thing that like is that. weird that is interesting of its own right and just use that in your in your game to uh give it to your players as a real physical thing that they can they can touch and and and, and manipulate and then the fantasy of being these characters washes away because suddenly they are their characters because they're just as inquisitive of what this thing is so it's that can be as simple as uh, a bag of coins like sometimes that's just something i have in my dice bag uh, if i'm dming <laughs> i'll just be like all right and they throw it this bag, and having that clink and they have that metal mm. kind of touch together like somehow that just brings everything into this sharp relief uh and and can be super fun so don't estimate the yeah. power of props in your game i love that <laughs> i will steal that <laughs> I <will definitely laughs> do that. <laughs> it is definitely unconventional and i love it <laughs> amazing yeah. so we have reached Great. the end but there's mm. one last thing to do and that is for okay. you guys to shout out social media tell us when the book releases where people can buy it where people can order it and do some acknowledgments that if you want to just get it all out there now <laughs> get it out well welcome to dragon talk is available for pre-order right now you can get it from the university of iowa press their website one great way to do it you can get it through other online retailers uh but we love if you are have a local bookstore that you love to go into and browse for books talk to the people there and see if they can stock dragon uh, welcome to dragon talk uh if they can and try to buy it through your local bookseller i think that would be fantastic as well maybe they can order more than one copy and so they get it yeah. on the shelves uh based <laughs> on all of your love and you know say that the, there's a lot of DD fans in your local community and i'm sure they will buy it too um if we are anywhere near that uh, i'd love to come in and do a signing but of course that is a little bit difficult now with all the the pandemic things uh, that are especially happening. that we are also and in germany, in germany. <laughs> germany. Well, i'm always we, looking we'll, for an excuse to travel it. abroad Believe me. <laughs> that's it i hear you guys have good uh uh you know w- uh, wine and beer and food there so let's make it yeah. happen but yeah that's the that's the the everything about where to get welcome to dragon talk it officially publishes on december 5th but we are told if you pre-order it you might actually get it early up to a month early so uh get those pre-orders in now and you can get it hopefully in november um but i think this makes a really good gift for someone in your life who is a DD fan of course they will love all the stories within here but i think it's also really good for people who are DD curious or want to know
know more or someone who just doesn't understand why uh, D&D is so exciting, get them this book. And I hope this will explain it. It's not too long. As you said, it's only about 200 pages. Uh, they don't need to read every single essay in there. But I think even uh, some of the introductory parts, as well as uh, the um, folks who are working, you know, more recognizable, uh, like Joe Manganiello and Deborah Enwall and Matthew Laird, some of the, the, the interviews that we have in here, their stories will inspire people to be like, huh, maybe I do want to pick up this game. Maybe I do want to get something out of it. So that's 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 my spiel. You can follow me at Greg Tito on Twitter, Greg underscore Tito on uh, Instagram. Shelly, I'm going to throw it to you because I know you only got one minute left. I am uh, uh, at Shelly Moo on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, you can listen to Dragon Talk wherever you listen to your podcast. You're just like this one. So if you haven't started <laughs> listening, we have about seven years of episodes for you to dive into. <laughs> and they are all great. <laughs> and then you can read the book about the podcast about the game. <laughs> about the game. <laughs> about that game. But anyway. Thank you so much yeah. for having us on, you guys. This, this is, is fantastic. Thank you, for Thank you so much on. for being here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and with it's that, been wonderful. bye bye, audience. Hear you on the next one. And bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. Bye.